I'm Esther Arma. Welcome. You're listening to The Spin. It is that time for an hour where smart is sexy. The Spin, our weekly all-women of colour media panel. I'm coming to you live from Star FM Studios in Accra, Ghana. Our contributors are on the line via NPR Washington, D.C. We are on air internationally across the United States, here in Ghana and in London. This program is brought to you by the African-American Public Radio Consortium. Today on The Spin, it's a Fashion Forum Africa special. We are in the whirlwind of global fashion weeks, from New York Fashion Week Women to London Fashion Week to Lagos Plus Size Fashion Week to the upcoming Accra Fashion Week, with that lens shining on this F word of fashion. The Spin explores it through the lens of global black women. In part one, Lagos debuts Plus Size Fashion Week and New York celebrates its eighth year of Fuller Figured Fashion Week. We talk normalizing, celebrating and reimagining our fashion beauty standard. And in part two, Fashion Forum Africa has launched in Accra. What does this advocacy group hope to build when it comes to our policy and politics of style, survival and industry building in Ghana and across Africa? All of that. Coming up. Our contributors this week are Makiba Boateng and Stephanie Allen. Makiba Boateng joins us from Nigeria. Makiba is the founder of Fashion Forum Africa, an advocacy group pushing to turn fashion into an industry and create a study of style in Ghana and across Africa. She's also the CEO of public relations consultancy MCPR Africa, based in Accra, with satellite offices in Côte d'Ivoire and Nigeria. She's a member of the Interim Board for the Creative Arts, which is part of Ghana's Ministry of Tourism, Culture and Creative Arts. Plus, Makiba is an active member of Ghana Culture Forum, a creative arts association pushing culture and creative arts forward in Ghana. Stephanie Allen joins us from New York. Stephanie is a plus-sized fashion designer, a fashion and wardrobe stylist, an image consultant, and a fashion contributor to Plus Model Magazine, a magazine dedicated to the world of plus-sized fashion. Welcome, welcome, ladies. Hi, ladies. How are you guys Hi, doing? hello. Time for part one. And this hour is dedicated to just one topic. any old fashion in part one of our Fashion Forum Africa special. On the plus side, we're talking the business of beauty, the power of plus, the reality of fashion and blackness. Lagos launched its very first plus-sized fashion week this year. Here's founder Temi Abodirin Alau explaining why now. Take a listen. Tell us if it's time for the plus-size women to be celebrated in their own unique way. There is a market for plus-size fashion in Nigeria and in Africa as a whole. Why wouldn't we want to cater to the majority, to the masses of the people? Critics accused the organisers of glamorising obesity. Shouldn't that make anybody ask when we see runways filled with models who are size zero, sometimes unnaturally thin, and the world is told that that is beauty standards? What does that glamorise? 
And why does what is essentially the average size of African women and black women become reimagined as obesity, something unhealthy, unattractive and unappealing? From Lagos to New York, where full-figured Fashion Week just celebrated eight years of bringing plus-size black women and fashion to the runway. Here's full-figured week fashion founder Gwendolyn DeVoe explaining why she started it. In 2009, when I launched Full Figure Fashion Week, a lot of people asked me, was it difficult? It was not difficult at all. It was timely, Mm. you know, and the women who are full-figured, they need to see images. They have a right to clothing Mm -hmm. being available to them in their size and clothing that they can afford. And so it was very well received. Mm. It's been tremendous. Uh, We started out in 2009 with a three-day showcase. Mm -hmm. Now it's grown to six days. Six days. And they come from all over. Really? International. Gwendolyn breaks down the fashion world's argument for failing to embrace women who represented huge numbers in the world of fashion but were being ignored. And she took on those fashion critics who argued fashion ain't for the big girls. Fashion is so personal. And when you have designers who sew or design for women, remember fashion is supposed to be, and this is what I heard, Mm -hmm. supposed to be fantasy. And the argument is no one fantasizes about being plus size. Is that right? We may not fantasize about being plus size, but right here, right now, we still need to dress ourselves. Mm. So I didn't want to get into any of the, the arguments about it. I just wanted to do sort of some simply like a supply and demand. You want it? I'll bring it. The rest is history. It's been very, very, very successful. Despite fashion's argument regarding fantasy, Gwen DeVoe explains that for the women who attend Fuller Figured Fashion Week, it is community. It is challenge. It is change. And it is celebration. The one good thing, though, that's different about Full Figured Fashion Week is that it's not just about the fashion. It's about the camaraderie. Mm. empowering women to be themselves. A lot of the women who are Full Figure Fashion Week fans and attendees, they are, they love fashion, but they have also embarked on a healthier lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a bunch of, excuse my French, fat chicks running around saying we love being fat. Mm. That's not what it's about. We're about celebrating who we are right now. In fact, the plus-sized fashion industry is booming globally. So let's talk numbers just for a minute. Sales of women's plus-size clothing, defined as size 12 and above, rose 6% to $21.4 billion in 2016. That's double the rate of overall apparel sales. Earlier this year, sports apparel giant Nike began selling plus-sized workout clothes. According to a report from McKinsey & Co., the number of mentions of plus size in the fashion press tripled in 2016 compared with the previous year. And the report also said, and I quote, fashion brands are rapidly responding to a cultural shift toward body positivity and a growing appreciation of curvy figures by designing specifically for a larger range of sizes rather than just expanding their size range as an afterthought, unquote. And a new study published in the International Journal of Fashion, Design, Technology and Education suggests that, quote, the average woman now wears between a size 16 and 18, which corresponds to a women's plus size 20W. And Gwendova reminds us again just how high those numbers are. Women or female consumers have such buying power. Um, 
Plus size women spend over $30 billion a year. How much? $30 billion. $30 billion. On fashion and beauty products. For black women, curvy has always been the new black, the back in the day black, the old black, the African black, and the real black. But now the fashion industry in Lagos is centering curviness, not sidelining it. From Lagos to New York, let's talk blackness, fashion, beauty, and the world of plus-size models, women, and the fashion industry. So, Stephanie Allen, this is a world that you walk in, live in, breathe in, and work in. So let me start with you, your thoughts about the Lagos debuting this plus-sized fashion week. I think it's incredible that black women are featured and shown in their natural state. I mean, I know women come in all different shapes and sizes, but to me, culturally speaking, I mean, I always vision African women being full and voluptuous. So to have them walking the runway in beautiful fashion and beautiful colors and things that accentuate their body, like, I feel like it's just necessary and time for it. So kudos to uh, Lagos for showing women in their natural state on the runway. Makiba Watag, you're actually talking to us live from Lagos. You're in the space where this fashion week was born. Yes, I happen oh, wow. to be here, yes. So what are your thoughts on Lagos debuting a full-sized, plus-sized fashion week? It's definitely important. And the fact that it happens in Nigeria and in Lagos, it's a fantastic thing. And when we, if I can go into Ghana, where I'm based, Ghana has already started model agencies for plus-size models. So I think this move by Nigeria is fantastic because whenever Nigeria starts something, the rest of ECOWAS follows. So I think it's an important move in terms of women as a whole and the reality towards the real sizes of black and African women. What is exciting for me is recognizing that there has always been the standard of beauty and fashion has been set by what has been defined as mainstream fashion, the runways of New York or Milan or London or Paris. And the knowing that I didn't know that Ghana had agencies for plus sized models, which is an exciting development and also a recognition that actually reimagining the standard of beauty is just about being willing to recognize that we are a part of this human phenom that is beauty that comes in all shapes and sizes. And of course, in Africa, the size goes from very, very lean to very curvy and everything in between. There is not a one size kind of mode. And so you will find a range. If you look at the women of Somalia or or, or Kenya, you'll find those long, lean, lean, lean women. You look at the women of Nigeria, they go the gamut, whether they're Igbo or Yoruba or Hausa. So there's a whole range. And so I think what is exciting to me is that that range is being centered as opposed to being sidelined. So for you, Stephanie, of course, Fuller Figured Fashion Week in New York is celebrating eight years. So this has been a world that has been being built for a period of time. How important is it that we continue to expand our notions of beauty, especially in this moment that is really so hostile to people of color when it comes to the West and America in particular? I was affiliated with Full Figured Fashion Week starting in 2010. That was my first introduction to the plus-size fashion industry. I mean, I'm a plus-size woman, so I've always been a consumer of it. But to actually be involved in that part of the industry was 
tremendous for me, first of all, to be around, you know, women that look like me, that talk like me, that were shaped like me in such a positive face. It was like all the lights came on, you know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm not alone in this. And I've been a part of the fashion industry for over 25 years, and, you know, I've seen what the quote-unquote normal standard of beauty was. And, like I said, to be in an environment where that beauty or the notion of what, what beauty is, to see it on, you know, this platform, on this scale was awesome. And then to see so many designers that specifically cater to fuller figures and knowing, you know, how to cut the fabric, how to drape the fabric, how to create style lines that accentuate our curves. All the lights came on. I'm like, this is really real. And for it to have grown exponentially, just the business overall and the industry overall, for it to have grown so quickly over the last few years and to see the involvement of even mainstream fashion and more designers coming in the forefront, more plus models being appreciated and respected. To me, it's, it's, it's overwhelming and it's beautiful and it's exciting and it's entertaining, it's welcoming, it's like all of it, all at the same time. So to see it on this scale has been like phenomenal. Voluptuous visibility, <laughs> finally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Makeba, definitely for us in ECOWAS in, in West Africa, we've always seen African women being designed for. We've watched how beautiful African women look in all shapes and sizes, particularly wearing African print, and that the bodies and the curves of women has always been recognized. I wonder if you could talk a bit about the importance of making it an industry reality and what that may mean for West Africa's growing fashion industry that still needs to really become more of an industry globally. Right now, we have uh, research going on to try and find some kind of size ranges, realistic size ranges of African women. So definitely, it is very important for the reality of this to be put into our systems in West Africa. We have ignored this subject for a long time in terms of the reality of sizes, or true sizes of black or African women. For example, we've got this plus size fashion week in Nigeria. And then we, as I mentioned, we have model agencies spring up in Ghana to do with plus size. We're slowly getting there. I think that we are definitely on the move to change what is going on on the continent and for black women and black people as a whole. It is definitely much needed and I think it is fundamental and I think once we can do this right, I think that this will totally change what is happening on the continent and definitely for black people as a whole. Yeah, this is a game changer, right, in fashion? Well, yes. Yes, I would agree. It is definitely a game changer. Question to you both. Why do you think such a huge element of an industry has been ignored for so many years and been sidelined? To both of you, why do you think that? Starting with you, Stephanie. I think that one's easy, Esther, because we've only taken and listened to what's happening in the West and on the global international stage, which is run <laughs> by the Western countries. Right. And we I feel haven't like... valued ourselves at all in terms of who we are, who we really are, in terms of our bodies. We haven't been real with ourselves. 
So now there's a new renaissance, I feel, that is happening on the continent where we're now appreciating who we are as a people and as many people that are trying to be real and create for us, the black African people, and not have this Western mentality. I think part of the issue for just overall for the fashion industry has been that it really wasn't inclusive, like high-end fashion and couture pieces and ready-to-wear and, you know, all those designer labels were not supposed to be accessible to, quote-unquote, everyday people. It was only supposed to be for, you know, the upper echelon of society and, you know, those who are extremely wealthy or connected. So fashion really wasn't supposed to be attainable. And then, you know, you have the watered-down effect of, you know, what's in the retailers and what's in the stores and what ready-to-wear for everyday people. So automatically, plus women, plus fashion wasn't even a, a synonymous. It wasn't even a part of it because we didn't exist. And that's obviously not true because, you know, we, we all know plus women have been around for ages. But I feel like now with the onset of bloggers and influencers and more people being vocal about wanting to be included and having things of our own, I feel like more attention is being paid to it. And so many high-end influencers say, like, this is billion-dollar industry, why not get in on it? But a lot of designers don't want to cater to plus-size women because they don't feel it's their clients. So what has happened is the emergence of independent designers, bloggers, and influencers that are more like everyday women and not the models that are on the runway, they're coming up and their voices are being heard. And some designers are paying attention to that where there are more collaborations and more inclusivity on, you know, on the runway and on the racks in the stores and, and just in fashion overall. So I believe the conversation is changing around fashion. And I believe that there are more opportunities being created, whether it's you know, individuals or businesses or brands that are helping to speak to that void that was in the industry for so many years. It's so interesting because it's the idea that couture fashion had this idea that couture was not for curves and couture was not about the curvy black and African women. And something that Gwendolyn DeVoe actually said, she said that one of the arguments that was made is that fashion is about fantasy and nobody fantasizes about curvy black women. And that was the argument that she said mainstream fashion was made. I absolutely agree, because again, if you think about it, no one wants to be fat. <laughs> you know, that's the realness of it. And it, I believe it is a cultural thing, because I believe women of color have always embraced their bodies and embraced their natural curves, whereas more European people often tend to think of just, you know, thin and thin is in, thin is healthy, thin is rich, thin is perfection, thin is everything. And so if you don't have representation of what everyone looks like or a broader spectrum of what people look like, you're only going to be one-sided. You know what I mean? So the idea of what what is fantasy, because the standard of beauty that is being perpetuated is just thin and European, then, of course, you know, there's no need to fantasize about a you know full-figured black woman. But it's a cultural thing, and I mean, I know that most people in my circle of friends, you know, they're like, you know, we want a little meat on our bones. You know, most men tend to want someone more curvier and, you know, more fuller. So the conversation can go in so many different directions, but as it pertains to fashion, the idea of being fat and fashionable are not synonymous. McKay, but how do you respond to that critique? That's the whole 
thing behind it. Sometimes people get it twisted and they think that what they see on stage sometimes is exactly how they're supposed to wear the thing. It's not. It is all about imagination when it comes to fashion, which is separate to clothes. Fashionable clothes are completely different to just ordinary clothes being on the runway. I think in terms of people do not fantasize about curvy women, well, they don't fantasize about curvy women because we don't put curvy women on the runway. If we did, just like the example video that we watched on plus-size models, I think you can fantasize about those runway models that were plus-size who were on the catwalk. They were absolutely stunning, beautiful, but we don't see that, so we can't fantasize. So it's the idea is if we normalized what is us, then why wouldn't we fantasize then about what is normalized? But I also think about the idea that that very, very thin, almost kind of no breasts, no butt visual. I mean, you're almost talking about somebody looking like a teenage boy as opposed to looking like what you think of what a woman looks like, which is to have breasts and waist and and, and a butt. And that when you have an industry, actually, where the dominant designers are white and male and also often gay, that there is a specific aligning with that fantasy in terms of the models as opposed to recognizing this kind of spectrum of women and beauty that exists in the world and that is real for the world. But I think your point, Makiba, about recognizing that as long as you look to the West to dictate and define what you see as beauty, you will always be in this kind of rough and tumble back and forth about expanding beauty standards. And I think the power of what Gwendolyn DeVoe, who is the founder of Fuller Figured Fashion Week, when she talks about, listen, at the end of the day, we're here. We want to be dressed. We are women. We play. We are sexy. We are fabulous. We are imaginative. We are creative. And we would like to reflect that in our style and in our clothing. One question I want you to respond to is there was a specific critique about the Lagos Plus Size Fashion Week that was that mainstreaming it in the way that it did and making it this huge platform, critics said that it glamorized obesity. How do you both respond to that? Let me start with you, Stephanie. Well, the same thing was said about full-figured fashion week here in New York and also especially with, you know, the emergence of Ashley Graham and her appearance on the Sports Illustrated cover. They're just saying that the plus industry overall advocates for you know, obesity. And that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you can be unhealthy and a size zero, you know, so there's a lot of mixed messages that are being sent. I don't think it's promoting obesity. I think that it is speaking to an audience that needs to be dressed. And we want to see people that look like us or that, you know, can represent us on some way on the runway, in the magazine ads, in the campaigns, on the billboards, So I feel like if this is what the world looks like, there's a wide spectrum of size ranges that women, how women live in this world. And why not have representation of all sizes, you know, out there and, you know, in mainstream media, on billboards and whatnot. There's a couple of conversations I've always thought that goes on with this. There's the business of plus fashion, the business of fashion, and then there's also the body and size acceptance conversation. And I feel like they've always been overlapped, and somehow, like, the body positivity 
and, you know, the promoting obesity conversation, like, always comes in. It's not all of those things. You know, I feel like if we're just talking about fashion overall, it's all about representation. If we're talking about health issues, that's a separate conversation. So if we leave it to where it is, it's just talking about fashion, style, better representation of plus women or just how women look in the world, then let it be about that and leave the obesity and health conversation to a different subject. That's how I feel about it. McCabe, how do you respond to that same question? I think that is just another topic that is thrown in make us stick to very thin people or thin models. At the end of the day, we know that fashion, you know, is sexist, is ageist, sizes. Mm-hmm. We know all this. This topic is kind of, I just think it's just another slap in the face just to make bigger people feel bad so that to glamorize the thinner models. And just as Stephanie says, within the thin models, you have all kinds of issues in terms of their size, being too skinny and having bulimia and all these kinds of issues that are not good for um, people to see. They're not good for young aspiring models because that's how they're going to want to be, you know, skinny and unhealthy. So I think I'd rather have a plus-size model than an anorexic model any day of the week. I'm always struck by the hypocrisy of even that question being raised because the so-called, you know, mainstream of of fashion that normalizes this very kind of unnaturally thin, almost boyish looking body fails to really take into account the health consequences of trying to keep women at a size that, that, that may not naturally be them. Now, of course, there are women for whom that is naturally their size, they're naturally thin. So it's not a negation of people's, you know, the natural panorama of size across the board. I really do think it's part of the function of the, the worst elements of patriarchy and sexism. And I think it's also trying to deny global black women the right to have and feel a pleasure in their body and for that pleasure to be manifest in the clothes that they wear and the style that they wear, which is one thing I love about certainly African print is the absolute emphasis of the curve as opposed to the trying to hide the curve. You know, the recognition that a curvaceousness is part of what it is to be a woman. And so there's never a negation of that, that that is always to be celebrated. And I'm always particularly struck by the hypocrisy of anybody saying, but does this glamorize obesity? And I think, but what does it do to see years and years and years of incredibly thin white women defined as this is the fantasy that is fashion. How incredibly unhealthy is that for the world? Not just for those women, for the world. And then you take all the different stories of what models go through and have gone through to maintain that size, all of which have been unhealthy. And so actually, if you're going to have a conversation about health versus fashion, which I think, Stephanie, you're making the point, one thing is about health, one thing is about fashion, then a push for health should require us to engage just a larger panorama of bodies. And to decide that, your fantasy can be about all different kinds of bodies at all different kinds of colors. And nobody gets to dictate a fantasy and then to use that dictatorship to deny the presence of beauty and curvaceousness on any runway anywhere in the world. Like, I just reject that as an argument because I do think it's really about the policing of black women's bodies in particular 
and that that should always be rejected as an argument. And I also think, Stephanie, you're really on point in saying that to have a conversation about health actually includes unnaturally thin women. It doesn't just mean you're talking about the notion of size. You're talking about an unnatural thinness. So the health conversation applies across the board. But for me, so does the fantasy conversation. And like you ladies, watching the video of the Lagos plus size, I mean, these women were divas. They were fly. They were these routines they did. So they did their few steps and pose, few steps and pose, few steps and pose. I was like, yes, 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 yes. What excites you for the future of plus-sized fashion, given what Lagos has done and what Makiba has shared with us that Ghana is doing as well? What excites you, Stephanie, about the expansion of the global world of plus-sized fashion? Well, I'm excited just because of more inclusivity on the runways, and it's already starting to happen. It just happened. Well, it started last spring here in New York for New York Fashion Week. It happened again this a few weeks ago for New York Fashion Week, where there were more diverse ranges of sizes on the runway. There were more women of color on the runway. And just overall, it was just beautiful to see and to be a part of that. So I'm I'm excited to see how other brands open up their minds to include us and open up the opportunities for more plus women to participate in fashion and fashion week and being on the runway. I'm curious to see what designers are going to start to be more inclusive and not sort of hide that they offer plus sizes, but actually show and advertise that they sell to plus sizes. I'm excited for it all, and I'm definitely hopeful that the industry will continue to be open to the idea of the inclusivity and not just let it be a fad because it's what's popular right now. And for you, Mikaba Watson, you are literally talking to us from Lagos, where this Plus Size Fashion Week was debuted. First year in Lagos, eight years in New York, Ghana with agencies that, that cater to plus-sized fashion. As a woman who is a visionary about really expanding the industry of fashion in Africa, what do you think could be exciting for building an industry around plus-sized for not just West Africa, but for the, the continent with its huge 54 nations and all the breadth and variety that that, that that includes? I think it definitely is going to change what is going on on the continent, especially in West Africa, because at least West Africa is starting to recognize this. So that is exciting, especially for Fashion Forum, because its concentration is really to do with ECOWAS, and it's fantastic that we Nigeria has started this movement, and Ghana also has its own plus-size model agency. It's actually called Plus-Size Model Agency, GH. And so I think it's really exciting, and I think that if it goes around the ECOWAS region, I think it will definitely change a lot of things that are going on in West Africa, and hopefully this will spin into the rest of the continent. It's definitely exciting times right now in Africa for fashion as a whole. So wait. Can you believe that fashion folks claim that people don't fantasize about curvy women? What are they talking about? Miss Dynamite, tell them. I don't know what you are talking about. I don't know what you, what you talking about. Dynamite, titanium. Might give a big blow to your cranium. Yep. Flows, I'm saving them. So you give me that 
not celebrate the beauty and the bad ness that is brown skin. Brown skin. Girl, I wanna wrap you and lock you in my arms Brown skin. Come on, I love the vines, I love the spice, I love the passion you bring. Brown skin. Yes, I wanna wrap you and lock you in my arms Hey, brown skin. Come on, I love the vines, I love the spice, I love the passion you bring. That was part one of a Fashion Forum Africa special on The Spin. You're listening to The Spin, a one-hour weekly international all-women-of-color podcast. I'm your host, Esther Armour. Our contributors this week are Makiba Boateng in Lagos and Stephanie Allen in New York. The Spin is brought to you by the African-American Public Radio Consortium. I'm live in Star FM studios in Accra, Ghana. We are on air across the United States in Arizona, Ohio, North Carolina, New Jersey, Mississippi, Texas, South Carolina, New York, Georgia, Iowa, and Massachusetts. We are on air in Ghana on Star FM 103.5 and in London on ABN Radio UK. And we're a podcast. Subscribe to The Spin One on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. One mic, one hour, three black women. And we go global. We keep it fly. We keep it fresh. We keep it fashion. Global black women honor the smart because smart is sexy. Smart is curvaceous and smart is global black and woman. And sometimes with this obsession and these dangerous ideas of perfection, we need a tune to remind us of beautiful imperfection. Asa, Nigerian artist Asa, talk to the people. She says that you worry much about things you don't understand. But don't give up if it doesn't go with the plan. Why not have some fun while you're still young and still okay? Cause life is short, do what you can today, today. Why can't you be happy? Can't see you have it all with your money, it's too complicated. 
Why not live this life while you're still young and still okay? Cause life is short, do what you can do it today. Why can't you be happy? Time for part two of Fashion Forum Africa special on The Spin. Fashion, future, style, industry, archive, and resource. Fashion Forum Africa. That's the name. In Accra during 2017, Fashion Forum Africa has brought together fashion designers, style scholars, fashion journalists, fashion students, models, fashion financiers, all coming together in style and story for this quarterly talk series to confront, resolve and reimagine Ghana's fashion industry. Those talk series took place in March, June, September and December. Now, Fashion Forum Ghana is part of Fashion Forum Africa, and its aim is to establish and redirect Ghana's fashion industry on design and best business practices. It's all about finding creative solutions to the industry's issues. Ghana's fashion industry is a mix of history, culture, entrepreneurship, growing designers, seamstresses, and tailors who also describe themselves as part of the fashion industry. Fashion Forum Africa is about homegrown creative solutions to turn individuals into an industry. In other parts of the continent, like Ethiopia, textiles and apparels have grown 51% in five years. Economists like Emanuela Gregorio, an economist from the Africa Fashionomics Report, explains how the private and public sector came together to build a strong foundation in fashion and expand. For her, SMEs are the future and the answer. Both public and private sector are coming together because they see the a great potential of the sector when it comes to textile fashion designers. Uh, they use creativity as their unique selling point, but uh, creativity is not enough. Uh, you need to develop the business skills of uh, the target group and we need to capitalize on this. Targeting SMEs uh, is the way to go because SMEs are the ones that they are uh, occupying and they are the main actors of the value chain of the textile and apparel. Why? Because this uh, is a growing industry that is uh, picking up but needs additional investments to develop local private sector, which is uh, uh, they are the SMEs. And SMEs are fundamental agents of uh, job creation. They are the ones that are stimulating 80% of employment on the continent. From Ethiopia to Senegal, designer Lahad Gayi laments the lack of industry for creative and talented individuals like himself, leaving him frustrated and limited in his vision as a designer. Take a listen. The problem is that fashion is not organized in Africa. It needs to be said. We have to say things as they are. We really have imagination. We really know how to create. We have the talent and everything. But we need the organization, and I think talent without organization, at my level, it can't get you very far. And it is that dilemma that Makiba Boateng, Fashion Forum Africa's founder, seeks to address and resolve. How do you marry talent and creativity, but create an industry so that not just a disparate group of imaginative and talented individuals work, but it is literally creating an industry. Let's talk Fashion Forum Africa, vision, vibrancy, and viability. So, Makiba Boateng, you're Fashion Forum Africa's founder. Why do we need Fashion Forum Africa? Why do we need it? Well, we need to have a neutral platform where anyone who's interested in fashion 
can source information or the right information and the real information of what is actually going on in their country or on the continent. It's a completely neutral platform. So we're not biased at all. And what we try to do is to give the real information. So to be very honest, if you have no talent in the field of fashion you want to be in, we need to be real with you and then find you somewhere where you can be better. And so explain this importance of neutrality and not having bias. What do you mean by that? If we take a look at Ghana, where we are based, we have many different fashion weeks. And unfortunately, they don't all work together, which really makes no sense. But if you come to Fashion Forum, we will tell you about all these fashion weeks. We will tell you, like if you're a young designer or you're an established designer, and you come to us and you say, which fashion week should you go to? We can tell you neutrally about each of the fashion weeks without any biasness. I think that's the easiest way I can say it. For example, you have a, a student who is a budding fashion designer or a budding seamstress or a tailor, and they want to up their skills by going into education to, you know, to learn more about fashion. Now, if this young person, if they want to learn about tailoring, we can tell you at Fashion Forum which university you should go to. Not all of them are suited to everyone. If you are cutting edge in terms of fashion design, we can direct you to the best cutting edge university. If you just want to learn basic sewing, we can direct you to a school that will teach you how to be a dressmaker and a seamstress, not necessarily a fashion designer. And so explain for us, when we think about the fashion industry of Ghana, What does that include? Because in Ghana, it is different than what people think about in New York or London or Italy or in other places. So explain for us and explain for the audience, when we say the fashion industry in Ghana, who and what that includes, and therefore then why you want and created Fashion Forum Africa to actually make the industry really an industry. In Ghana, we do not have an industry. What we have is the fashion business community. We have many people who are making money within fashion, textiles, and beauty in, in Ghana. We do not have an industry. We are trying to help to structure an industry in terms of fashion form Africa. We're trying to structure an industry by bringing together like-minded people who want to push fashion further within the country, who believe that we can have an industry. So we're talking about all the different types of stakeholders in fashion, not just designers. We're talking to stylists. We're talking to educationalists. We're talking to fabric manufacturers. We're talking to journalists. We're talking to all kinds of producers who are credible, who we can put together to try to grow the business community into industry. 
And why do you think we've neglected building an industry? What are the obstacles that exist to building an industry and, and how is Fashion Forum overcoming those? What's happened really is that we lack unity as a whole, which is a shame. And no man is an island. It is not possible for one person to achieve, you know, great status in fashion in Africa. We need everybody else. And this is the problem that we have on the continent and possibly even in the diaspora as people of color. So what we are doing at Fashion Forum is trying to piece the right and credible people together, and credible in terms of by merit, not by popularity. People who have crafted or who understand their trade and who can help to tighten the community to go into industry. People who are serious. And what we're trying to do is when we're having these people together, we are learning from each other and trying to put together a structure that makes it easier for people to trade with those who are credible by merit within the industry. So we're putting together directories. We're trying to put together some kind of a on-trade magazine, as well as these fashion talks that we do quarterly, where we try to speak about important topics and sometimes controversial topics that affect the fashion community in Ghana. What we want is to help to inspire, motivate, and clear up some of the misconceptions with regards to what is really happening. We're all about the reality of Africa today. We are all about the reality of what is happening in our country, Ghana. And then we'll look through into ECOWAS and then hopefully it'll spread throughout the continent of Africa. And so you talked a bit about the idea that sometimes in Ghana, people conflate profile with professionalism or popularity with professionalism. And so the idea is the person that's the most popular who gets a lot of kudos, but their actual work or the quality of their work doesn't necessarily sit within the highest industry standard. So I've been blessed to be a moderator at many of um, Fashion Forum Africa's talks, and it's been really an, an education. It's like going to an exciting and fabulous school where all the clothes, everybody's clothes are fabulous, and you're all there for a genuinely mutual conversation. And I think that you know, the difference between Ghana and, and other spaces is that the importance of the way seamstresses and tailors work here is different than in other parts of the world. Talk about the role of seamstresses and tailors and how, in a way, we have this whole informal sector in Ghana. Do you consider that part of the fashion industry or is it a thing apart? As a whole, we need to restructure because... Some people who class themselves and some labels on brands that class themselves as fashion brands or labels, not all of them need to be brought into what we're calling the fashion industry. So in every single area of fashion, whether it's the tailors association or the tailors, whether it's the seamstresses, whether it's the dressmakers, whether it's the designers, whether it's the stylists, whether it's the dressers, we can find the credible people within each of those different areas of 
fashion design. And yes, they do belong in the bigger picture, but not everyone. There's a big difference. And as I tried to explain before, I've mentioned about five, six categories already, but unfortunately, like when you mention fashion, people automatically think they belong to it if they can make a stitch, which is not true. There's a difference between fashion and clothing industries, two different things but similar. So we need to educate. There's a difference between fashion and clothing. Yes, we need to educate. Like we rightly said, and you mentioned, fashion is imagination, is fantasy. It's not totally real. There's an element of dream and fantasy in there. Not everything that you see on the runway is supposed to be worn like that. It is just fantasy to stir the mind, to put you in a certain thought process, to make you feel a certain way there and then. Whereas clothing is functional, you need it. You don't necessarily need fashion. (laughs) But we love fashion. That's the difference. And so for the kind of industry that you envisage in Ghana, would it include both? Would it include the functional clothing and the fantasy high end? So in other words... In the same way in other cities and other countries, you have both, you know, wearability and functionality and then kind of high-end couture. They're different elements, but they do sit within the industry that is called fashion. Is that what you envisage Fashion Forum Africa trying to build? Definitely, because you really can't have one without the other, obviously, because at the end of the day, we're talking about apparel, we're talking about clothing. But there is a difference when we talk about fashionable clothing. The clothing are somehow more unique. They're not things that you can easily just purchase. They're not things that everyone is doing. That's what makes it fashion. It is unique in its stitching, in its style, in its color, in its technique, in the look, in the presentation, in the styling, in the wearability of it and how it can be worn. That's fashion. So you can't really have one without the other. But there is a clear difference. And what we're trying to do is to make it clear and educate people on what is fashion. People know what clothing is. We're not interested in that. Although at the same time, we know that the clothing industry as a whole, which also incorporates fashion, is a huge, it can be a huge economic impact for Africa as a whole, period. So we need to concentrate on this. And we need to show the importance of this in terms of revenues. Um, So they go hand in hand in terms of clothing and fashion, but there is definitely a clear difference. And we just want to educate so that we can carve out a fashion industry because the West takes so much from Africa and Africa never gets the rewards of all those millions and billions of money that the West gets from ripping off designs from Africa, ripping off our style, our culture, and turning it around and then selling it back to us. We need to educate our country, followed by ECOWAS, followed by the continent. And that is what Fashion Forum Africa is trying to do to contribute as well as to link up with other platforms on the continent so that we can be a force to be reckoned with, so that we can have one vision and possibly many strategies that lead to that vision. Because every country is different. Every country has its own heat, 
its own temperature and temperament. So you can't totally use what something, the template for Ghana. In Nigeria, it's not as simple as that. So in Ghana, we're just trying to educate right now and we're trying to build the fashion business community to make it strong enough to then go into industry. So that's really powerful. And, and according to organizations like the Africa Development Bank, fashion and creative industries, if they were properly financed and industrialized, could actually create jobs for over 30 million Africans joining the labor market every year. Huge, huge numbers. And you talk about recognizing the importance of both fashion and clothing, the difference that the contribution both could make to reimagining the continent as a place where our style is our story, as opposed to being sold a story back to us after it's been stolen from us. What is exciting to you about the possibilities of building an industry that keeps you motivated and keeps you going? I think it's been a long time coming. And You know, for me and for Fashion Forum Africa, you know, we know for a fact there is an African renaissance. And we know for a fact that the African people, no matter where they are, whether it's on the continent or in the diaspora, in the Americas, in the West, in the UK, we know that we are now accepting and celebrating ourselves as black people and African people and descendants of Africa. And so what is exciting for us is that there is more and more like-minded people that are doing their best to accept their identity and to find, as Fela Kuti would say, their own style, their own African style. So I'm excited because there's many of us and we're talking. And now we're also not just talk, a lot of us are also putting our money where our mouth is, so to speak. And Bakiba Boateng, visionary and founder of Fashion Forum Africa, we celebrate you out in Lagos, working in Accra and Cote d'Ivoire, a visionary African woman. Your mind. I talk about your 
and Ask Aina Morineke Olukoga, better known as Aina Moore, a Nigerian hip hop artist, what African women, what black women are doing right now? Me and my girls, am I killing it? Me and my girls, am I killing it? And we not send any, we not send anybody. And we don't care what the limit is. When we roll our, yeah, roll our, yeah. When we roll, we don't send me this full cup again. And when we're pouring Henny, we don't stop again. Cause tomorrow is a promise, live it up again. And if we see another day, pour another Henny. Celebrate, we don't even need a reason, Channel. Sell me thoughts and glass flexing any season, Channel. And we don't love them, never please them, we don't need them, Channel. Kumasi Takra eats to Ogba, yes, they see us, Channel. When I'm with my queens, we on top of Benny. Self esteem, all on ease, that's the team of Benny. Cheers to life, round here, breathe the life, uh. Here's to life, plant seeds, breathe the life, cause what? Hot women, no organ top women, we just grind it out and stay on top. White linen, fresh women. Me and my girls, am I killing it? And we not send anybody who not feeling it. A penny, and we don't care what the limit is. When we roll our, yeah, 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 roll our, yeah, roll our, yeah, roll our, Fine boy, give me a sign boy Are you really ready to give me the time boy? Are you packed heavy, mind like Machiavelli? Will you break down my walls, any means necessary? Uh, brown skin, chocolate, dark king uh, The times whenever your mind's right to endeavor uh, We don't do vulture men, we like them culture men Know how to ride and survive in the hopeful land Around the world we turn up with the dopest men Smart men that be playing the part men uh, But we don't stress them, we don't need them We bless them, live it up in every moment And we're feeling the best when Me and my girls, am I killing it? And we not send anybody who not feeling it Or any, and we don't care what the limit is When we roll our, yeah, when we roll our, yeah When we roll our, yeah, when we roll our, yeah When we roll our, yeah, roll our, yeah, roll our, yeah, roll our, Me and my girls, am I killing it? And we not send anybody who not feeling it Or any, and we don't care what the limit is when we roll our, yeah, 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 roll our, yeah, roll our, yeah, roll That's your hour. Thank you to Makiba Boateng and Stephanie Allen. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. I want to hear myself. Yeah. Thank you to the Spin Production team, sound editor David McKeeva, a.k.a. McKeeva Magic, and distributor Loretta Rucker and the AAPRC. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. The Spin, it's your hour of global talk where smart is sexy. I'm your host, Esther Armour. Just copy properly. Everybody's so policy. Universal equality. This program has been brought to you by the African American Public Radio Consortium, NPR Distribution, and the Public Radio Satellite System.